Hey everyone, welcome back to the Longevity Muscle Podcast. I'm Kenny, your host, and today we are back for a part two with AJ Morris. If you haven't checked out part one, highly recommend you do that first. But without further ado, we're going to get right into the episode. Enjoy. No, it's uh, interesting you brought that up because obviously we've had a lot of different bodybuilders on the podcast who some will will have their preferences and their we'll just go with preferences. Let's not get into yeah, the no, of I, science here. Let's just talk about preferences in terms of they prefer to have a system where they're leaving reps in reserve and then they might yeah. save a set to failure in a specific periodized fashion. And then you have the hmm. other a few of the other people I've spoken with, yourself, Ben Howard, Mitch even, it seems to be the Brits actually. <laughs> oh, it's, it's the Dorian, it's the Dorian, the JP. It's yeah. Like they create, honestly, they create like Dorian started it and JP really like Dorian lit the match and JP created the bonfire. Ah, um, okay. They created a cult. They created a cult of people that just right. love to train in this way. Um, so yeah. <laughs> no, it's and that's what I was and there is a few that I'm um that I'm missing right now. I mean actually Siobhan Cunningham will leave everything out on the table. Now obviously the variance in terms of how you're doing that is going to be different amongst who I'm speaking with, obviously. Of as course. far as that the specifics of the approach, but that he does not use an RIR. Like he's not leaving anything in the tank. Let's just put it that way. I don't way. think Siobhan knows what RIR is. No, this <laughs> is not part of his vocabulary, right? So yeah. um but it's interesting because I find that even myself, it's I've dabbled into both methods and okay. I find that I just can't seem to get away from just leaving it all out on the, and when I do, it's like, I don't know. I just don't feel good about it. You know, it just meant, I think it's a person, it could be a personality thing as well. I think it crap. is. I think it is. I think, yeah. I think those, I think those that, that, that really like training with RIR are those that, do really fall in love with like the analytical side of, of bodybuilding and they truly like to have like a very firm awareness of everything that they do and I, I truly respect that like i'm very analytical but i wouldn't say that i'm like hyper analytical of maybe more of the like research side of of bodybuilding i'm i'm probably what you would say is more i take more scope on anecdotal or in the trenches kind of like what 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 you know i'll I'll go up and ask people what works for you you know what has worked Mm -hmm. for you what 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 have you done you know on a client call when we get started with coaching i'll be like okay tell me tell me what you've done for like the fast past five years Mm -hmm. tell me what you thought worked tell me what you thought didn't work um and i think you know it all comes down to yeah you're right you know personality and i mean ultimately just what you what you enjoy um i definitely used to be like one of these people i must admit you know 100 i i used to be one of these people that said oh you know rir is wrong you shouldn't do that and i used to very strongly disagree with it and I, now i look back on that and just i cringe really at, at, at that guy at that young kind of immature version of myself that wasn't open-minded enough to say look you know these guys are building great physiques with this approach they can absolutely go ahead and do it. And if it's what you enjoy, you should absolutely pursue that, that, that side of training. Right. Um, I'm just here to say what I like and what I enjoy. And if people can resonate with me and then also, you know, like, and enjoy it themselves in their own sessions. Fantastic. I'm all for it. That's the way no, that I approach it now. 
no, that's great. It's uh, that makes a lot of sense. And I wanted to bring this up because I think it's important. You had someone like Dory Yates who did this again, all out set, move on to the next exercise. It was kind of one set where he did that. Right. And he yeah. was trained. If I'm saying that right, it was one all out top top set kind of idea where he had the warm up. He's, he's he said that, but you look back at some of his log books and he did he did sometimes do a little little more volume. Uh, okay. But it was kind of like normally if you look at the log books, it was he used it in almost like an accumulative set fashion. So he'd like do a little bit more warm up than you'd expect uh, in some of his in some of his uh, sessions. Um, but yeah, it's, it's typically. The typical stuff now in the UK is kind of what like Jordan started to popularize, which is you'll do like a heavy set and then maybe like a lighter set and do like the back off set. Right. Um, but Dor- Dorian was kind of kind of really right in in the cases of some of the bigger compound movements that demand a lot more from you across the board. It's like I only do one set of back squat because I know the second set ain't productive. I only do one set of barbell rows because I know the second set isn't productive. I think the the risk versus reward ratio um, and even the stimulus, the SFR, the stimulus to fatigue ratio of that secondary set on some of those exercises, for me especially, is just I found that it's never worth it. I don't get as much bang for my buck out of I get like, right, cool. I've got my like nervous system awakened. Um, I've had my fun on that exercise. I've uh, I've I've moved some some weight with a decent degree of, of accuracy, um, and I've I've challenged my probably my entire body really with both of those movements. Now let's let's move on to maybe some of the more accurate, more stimulatory work for the goal of of hypertrophy. That's kind of how I view those movements at the beginning of the session. Um, mm. So yeah. Well, so okay, so you the the traditional. I will say approach to what is called high intensity training would be like one all outside. Let's just, let's just go with that for a second. Okay. For sure. Let's yeah. run with that for a second. Entertain this, I, I, this uh, idea I have in my head. Four sessions per week was kind of what Dorian was running. Is that fair to say on average four to five and he so. was something like that. Right now, when I was doing this all out now, everybody's recovery is going to be different, but, when I was doing this all out type of training for most exercises, if not all exercises on average. Um, yeah, man, like I couldn't handle really th- I would like three, three, maybe four days a week max. So it's interesting for you. Uh, what I'm curious about is how do you manage that recovery aspect on a week to week basis? Do you find that it might change like one week you can handle, I don't know, four, but then the next week you're like, man, I'm like, I'm zonked. And it's only been my, my third session this week. Do you have that happen? And if so, what do you do about it? Yeah, that's, that's a, definitely a good, a good question for sure. I think when, you know, you're, you're playing with these kind of movements and this kind of intensity, of course, you will be as a result, reducing frequency compared to, to others that may be leaving, you know, again, more, more reps on, on the table, um, maybe making some slightly more, uh, yeah, maybe some slightly less challenging overall movements that they're you know, like using more externally stabilized exercises where they can create more accurate stimulus, et cetera, et cetera. So how do I manage it? I go to bed pretty much at the same time every night. I wake up at the same time every morning. Um, I, I spend nine hours in bed every night. Um, eight of that at least is quality sleep. Um, 
I live for the most part outside of the weeks where coaching is extremely busy, a a pretty stress-free life. Mm. And I'm able to do that because I've cultivated an environment where I've learned how to manage stress better. I used to be very stressed at the slightest of things. Um, and I, I seen, I've seen that affect people mentally. I've seen it affect people in a, like a physicality side of things as well. Like in terms of like just true health, like I've seen people decline in terms of their health as a result of stress. So I've thought like, right, I, I can't just keep getting stressed about little things. Yeah. So I've got to, got to live life. And I kind of, um, with stress as well, which is by the way, I think just the biggest factor in terms of recovery management, I just, when I get a little bit worried about work or stress with clients, whatever it is, I just flick it on its head and try and just turn into gratitude and remind myself how lucky I am to do what I do and how I've aspired to do this for so many years that the stress is kind of a privilege rather than a, a problem, put it that way. Okay. Um, and then I also have an extremely, extremely supportive partner in the sense that she will help me out with all of my food and you know, make sure that I <laughs> calm down and switch off at the right time. And yeah, I, I feel like if I didn't have a supportive partner, I probably would probably just work myself into the ground um, because I like to work a lot and I like to do things um, that are relative to my progression. But sometimes they are the thing that shoot you in the foot. Because mm. uh, with like, I don't know if you've heard of Valentin Tambosi, but he's a great coach out in Vienna. Okay. Um, probably someone that you could can maybe have on this podcast as well. Um, he he said a great quote a long time ago with like he just basically said that with every yes, there's a no. Um, and it's so true for bodybuilding because when you start saying yes to loads of things, you say no to being able to recover to get in for another session. Um, you know, so it's it's a, it's a statement that always lives in my head. I always think about when I say yes to something, I always think about the no that is the there's the the preceding factor you know what what am i saying no to as a result of saying yes to to something um so i'm very smart with what i say yes to basically um i think that's a good tool that makes sense and the answer here folks is get a partner who's going to cook for you clean for you no i'm just joking um but <laughs> it does no, a that's, lot to be fair <laughs> yeah that's important you know I, I can uh i can relate to that but as far as let's say you did all that all that stuff is taken care of. You did all of the right things. Yeah. You, have you had a scenario where still you're like, yeah, you're kind of dragging your feet going into sure. the training session. And you, when you get there, you're like, I just don't have it today. But do you auto-regulate around something like that? Or do you not find that that hasn't happened given the awesome recovery strategies you've implemented in your lifestyle? Fatigue's inevitable. Like there's always going to be a session where you're not going to want to go. You're not going to want to train. It's a factor that we all will encounter at some point, you know, and if you ask any top athlete, any top athlete, do you feel tired when you go to your training sessions? They're probably going to answer yes, because they're at the top of their game. They're pushing their body to the limit. And what does that encounter? What do you what do you get as a byproduct of taking your body into a place it doesn't want to go? Fatigue. So it's inevitable. The tools that we have as a bodybuilder is the smart management of fatigue, but not the mitigation. We don't want to completely mitigate fatigue. Without fatigue, we where's the adaptation? Where's the stimulus? You know, like our bodies will get tired from from training with weights. So we need to create 
adaptation um so yeah it's just a it's like you have to fight through an element of fatigue to to cr- produce what you want in terms of the overall stimulus and you have to be smart enough to know when too much is impacting your progress i.e too much fatigue is blunting your appetite too much fatigue is pulling away from your sleep your recovery gets poorer and poorer and poorer your lifts start to stall this is where the logbook is such an important tool because your logbook can tell you a lot of the things that you need answers to like your progress can be stalling in the gym and you generally don't have that aggression that you maybe had a couple of weeks ago um that can be your first sort of port of call in terms of saying, right, you know what? I think it's time to probably take a bit of a D-volume week or a couple of days of rest. Um, I favor both. I favor a blend of reducing volume over the course of a microcycle and taking a couple of days rest at either the end or the start. Um, the rest will be longer if the connective tissue issues are, are higher. If we're running into issues with connective tissue and we're feeling like pain, that's when days off are almost definitely needed in a and a reassessment of some of the execution that we're performing is probably needed too. Um, the reduction in volume is appropriate uh, when you're just tired and the body is showing all the signs of high fatigue. Um, this guy helps as well, the, the aura ring. I have one of these. I've had these for three years now. And as much as uh, it's a little bit too reactive to resting heart rate, it does give you a pretty good uh, baseline of, of things like resting heart rate, um and uh you know obviously uh heart rate variability and uh, your overall sleep as well so when i notice those things start to trend in the wrong direction continuously i'm like huh probably should probably should keep an eye on on what i should do next with training how how many weeks do you find yourself being able to see productive training before something like that starts to occur with your style of training with the level of intensity that you're putting into your sessions uh really depends really depends like pretty consistently i'd say that if i'm in a smart mood uh i should probably be training for about six weeks before needing a a one so like a six to one paradigm um if i'm being really reckless and i'm on a really good run i've extended up to like 10 weeks 11 weeks um and i must admit when (laughs) When I devolume and I reduce fatigue, the fatigue is catastrophic in like, uh, it's like, you know, I'm sure you've experienced it yourself, but you almost blunt fatigue by being so fatigued. You tell yourself you're fine when you're just really not. Mm. Um, and then you take the gas pedal off and the fatigue catches you up and you actually feel you actualize your true fatigue level. And then you're like, okay, I'm just completely smashed um so that that's rare because i'm usually quite good at catching it but i think part of my love and passion for training makes me want to just keep going you know and keep going and keep going um to be honest usually it'll be like it'll to be honest i'll probably just get like some form of niggle and i'll just be like yeah i'm just being stupid Mm. luckily enough touch wood my whole training career i've never had a serious injury so Mm. um and I attribute that to being taught the fundamentals of proper warm up and mobility very young because I was involved in um in motorsport from a young age and we had to do mobility and warm up before we got in the cart. So um I was always taught about preparedness. I wasn't I wasn't like that guy that would go in and just bench 120 straight away kind of thing. Right. Um so I was always kind of like prepared and then I've I've always 
been very passionate about what I can do to recover better. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'll always invest in, in my knowledge in terms of like being able to just do more, be more mobile, be more powerful. So, uh, so yeah, that's helped me a lot in terms of, uh, stress and fatigue and injury management. That's interesting because so first off, I want to zone in on one thing here. And that's just because I've seen vlogs. Obviously, I've watched some clips of you putting up training-wise. Sure. You do relatively, I'm not even using that word right. On average, you'll do two sets per exercise. Is that correct? On yeah, average. Typically. typically. Typically on average, yeah. Yeah. So, and that's due to the fact that you'll push the intensity quite high. Like you're attempting to hit failure, but if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. You're more so attempting to beat the logbook. Is that accurate to say? As I could say, when I'm training, I train with my part, my my training partner every single session. It's likely on most sessions we'll take some form of small assistance, not, namely into the shortened position on most movements mm. uh, on the final rep. So okay. there is most likely some form of slight assistance on most exercises. Ah, okay. So a few force reps are thrown into the mix. Nice. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So that's very important. That mentioned for the listeners because you might have someone who's listening someone just starting out there and they're ambitious okay. they want to dive into this kind of training and they're doing it with a whole bunch of sets a whole bunch of volume now it could mm. be argued that for someone new to get the practice going and are they actually going to be hitting anywhere near failure probably not when you're first starting so, out so, yeah. yeah so that's cool but it's important to have the mindset that as you get better and better at your execution and that level of intensity that's being put into every set that you are being smart about how many sets per exercise and how much total volume in a session. I'll bring this up because maybe you could speak to this, AJ, maybe you've experienced it. I've had, there's fatigue in terms of like systemic and and there's also local fatigue in a single session. I want to, so I've done upper lower splits where I've done like, let me just hit the whole upper body. And then the next day I'll do my lower body and then like take a day off. And you know, that typical two on one off or just four days a week kind of split. And I'm like, bro, by the time you get to the middle of the session, like where who's training delts and arms at the end, if you're going to do that, it's like one exercise per body part is like what you can get away with uh-huh. at an, at an advanced level on. And I'm not speaking for everyone. I'm speaking to myself because there might be some variances and differences in individuals but I don't know, man, that's uh have you experienced that? Like a local fatigue where you're like, yeah. this is just too much upper body in one, in one session. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Like that's where you would almost coin that as like this, like junk volume kind of thing. Right. Uh, where you're just, you're beating away at a muscle you, you can't even feel anymore. So <laughs> yeah, I think that's where certainly full body and upper lower splits maybe aren't the most favorable setups for when someone is truly skilled and very strong as well so they're creating a lot of systemic fatigue from exercise to exercise um or at least for their body they're strong um i know for example if i was to do an, an upper body day uh, I, it just would be a nightmare it would just be it would be god awful i would be at some point in the session of that upper body session that the exercise quality would drop off a cliff um i wouldn't probably be even able to hit like all upper body parts without hitting that point very quickly yeah. so um yeah and it's almost like even just uh the 
the battery level that we have in our ability to focus and uh, attribute that level of of drive into a set, you know, the mental energy that it requires to combine intensity, aggression, and accuracy at the same time, it takes a lot from you mentally. So by the end of the session, you will be mentally fatigued, you know? So, um, and then your, your focus and your ability to even like contract efficiently will significantly drop off. Um, it's why I talked about, you know, doing the arm work on a different day is because Mm -hmm. it's a weak body part. I don't necessarily want to do a reverse push or pull session because I still want to do the good stuff at the front. I don't particularly enjoy going and starting with biceps on a back day. So, um, I I do it on a separate day, maybe just again, because of that mental energy that's required to do the, 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 the first front end of the session. Um, and that's where, you know, maybe onlookers or people listening might argue it's like, well, if the accurate work for your back, uh, is the stuff that's going to be maybe better for hypertrophy. Like, why don't you put that at the front and then put like the rows at the back and this, like, then the rows don't serve their same purpose. It's like the rows are there as a, almost like a total body movement. They are there to awaken the nervous system, to get you fired up for the rest of the session. And if anything, they arguably sometimes improve the quality of the rest of my back session, because if I go in and start on uh, an exercise like a straight arm pull down or a D handle pull down or something like that, personally at this stage in my training career, I'm, I'm not particularly amped up to, to do that at that moment of time. I want to go in and start with something that screams to me that I'm training um, and that I'm, I'm, I'm doing something that I want to like get the rest of my session kicked off with a bang with. Um, and whether that is the most quote unquote optimal way to train for everyone, probably not. Um, but is it the way that, you know, I, I see the most effective for myself? Yes. Um, a hundred percent. Yeah. It's a, it's a fine line because you have the, you want the days to recover in between sessions. Yes. Right. Or else now it's like, okay, I'll do chest on Monday back on to, then you do the bro split and then it's, then where's your rest days. So that's also a challenge. And then if you're really good at the execution part, you know, two, maybe three exercises for chest and you're done. So now it's like a super short workout. And then, so it's kind of like, you have to know how to mix and match for your uh, individual body. This is for the listeners because yeah, what works like, for example, the upper body, the upper lower split, mm, not only from a, am I seeing growth with this split, but also again, the local fatigue of man, by the half halfway through the workout, I'm done, but that might work really well for someone else. And maybe because they're also implementing deadlifts, they are now they're hitting upper body three days a week where I I don't do deadlifts. So now it's like, I'm only hitting upper twice. I just saw my gains kind of dwindle away to some extent, or I just maintained on a split like that. So there's like, there's these nuances that maybe people aren't paying attention to with certain splits or certain arrangements of how like what's working for you, AJ, really well, that might not be the thing for someone else with Agreed. the same level of maybe experience too, right? Yeah, 100%. 100%. Absolutely. It's a very individualized game that we play. Um, and I'm the first to admit that I'll quite happily review what I'm doing in a year's time and I maybe think differently and I'll be confident. Mm-hmm. I'm, I think one of the best things you can ever have in bodybuilding is self-awareness you can critically say to yourself when you're doing something that could be that could be better that you also enjoy 
that maybe was a mistake that you could have done better. You know, these things are never mistakes if they're lessons. You know, if you turn a mistake into a lesson and you're like, right, okay, that, that could be done better. Perfect. You know, you're just getting better as a bodybuilder. It's as yes. simple as that. Yes, yes, yes. Man, brother, we got this five minute time uh, crunch. <laughs> Good and, yeah, no. And um, I obviously I have I had more, but I want to be respectful of your time, of course. Yeah, you want to. Why don't we and we can dive into maybe some uh, nutrition that could be fun, yes. too. Yeah, we'll dive yes. in because people are asking about that. And I realize I love this topic of intensity of training and uh, <laughs> just the nuances of training. It's uh, it's a fun topic and and people are enjoying it, but I have been getting some requests for nutrition. I think you'd be fun sure. to bring back on. We can dive into some more details on that. Maybe brush up on a little bit more training if there's some left there. How about it? Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I'd absolutely love to come back on. We can discuss all things nutrition. And uh, I'd just like to thank you again for for having me as a, as a guest. I really, I really, I really appreciate it. And I hope that anyone that has listened, enjoyed it and, and took something from it. Absolutely, man. And where can the listeners find you? And natural bodybuilding worldwide and all that good stuff. Sure. So yeah, natural bodybuilding worldwide is naturalbbworldwide.com. Um, so yeah, you can check out the site. We we still have a, a free trial running. So you can literally try the whole site for free for, for 14 days. You can just look through whatever you want. If you like it, stay. If you don't, you can you can not stay. That's absolutely fine. Um, and then your main places to find me is is really Instagram, AJ Morris underscore is my my handle. Um, and then obviously if you just search AJ Morris into, into YouTube, you'll find many, many hours of, of free video content on there, workouts, my, all of my podcasts, everything. So, um, yeah, um, like I said, I appreciate it and, uh, hope this has been helpful. Oh, 100%. I enjoyed it. I'm sure the listeners are going to love it folks. Be sure to check out the links in the description where you can find everything related to what we spoke about here, where you can find AJ and all that good stuff. It's YouTube, Natural Bodybuilding Worldwide, the Instagram, all of it. If you want to get in touch with him, you can reach him there. Make sure to check out the At Longevity Muscle YouTube channel. Subscribe. We're posting videos weekly, if not daily, and there's going to be videos from this clip. So definitely check that out. Share the episode if you enjoyed it. Tag us on Instagram. And until next time.